Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm already blessed this morning. I was blessed because the Lord has been dealing with me, but I'm blessed because my little brother Aaron has blessed me. <laughs> it, it, man, I'm, I'm overwhelmed in this. I'm just overwhelmed. God is so good. God is so good that just a little child like that, I can just see how he's, he's, being, he's being raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord and, and the things that are coming natural to him. Hallelujah. I remember when he didn't want to go to anybody. Oh my... He's my little brother. <laughs> I, I just get excited about this stuff. Hallelujah. God is so good to us. I hope you feel the same way. <laughs> Hallelujah. God, you are so good. I'm overwhelmed in this moment. I don't know why, Holy Spirit, but you just flooded my soul and I just thank you. Maybe it's because the worship team, they poured out their hearts. Thank you, Father, for giving them the song in their hearts. Thank you for the media. Father, thank you for everything that you've blessed us with. Father, it's so easy to look at what we don't have, but Father, you've given us so much. Thank you, Lord, that we can have that kind of worship service, that we can not have live instruments, but Father, you still overwhelm us. You fill this place with your glory. You fill this place with your presence. And that's all we need, Lord, is to be in your presence. So, Lord, as we continue this service, Father, I pray that you're able to communicate through me. Father, the message that you've laid on my heart, Father, I believe that it's for us, for this time, for this people, for this place, for here, for now. But Father, nevertheless, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter how I feel. Lord God, it matters everything, where you are, where you want us to be. So Lord, please move us how you would like us to be moved. Put us in the place that you would like us to be. Father, I pray all this trusting and believing in you wholeheartedly with everything that I am in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Father, we're going to start right now in 2 Timothy, where we were. And I pray, Lord, uh, would just continue to overwhelm me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Now, I'm, I'm not going to re-preach or anything like that, but I really feel like this sound mind thing, we need to push on that just a little bit. Because my brothers and sisters, that word, as some of you may have already done some word studies such as it is, you know, and in some translations, it even says like uh, self-discipline, this discipline, and and it does mean that it, it means you know uh, self-control, discipline, um, uh, moderation, or dis- discretion, that that kind of thing. So God has not given us a spirit of, of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. He's able to get to, we we should walk in a discipline. But my brothers and sisters, this, this discipline, it, we're not talking about, and so many times I let young people know, especially who have questions, this is not about behavior modification. As those of you who are older in the Lord and more studied a little bit more, I'm going to use this term, long in the tooth as it relates to our, our maturity in the Lord. You know, you understand, it's not about behavior modification. If it were that, then he would have simply given us instructions and not have to die and send his spirit after he rose and went back to heaven. Are are you with me? 
can, can we agree on that this morning? No matter what persuasion you find yourself under, whether you are a Baptist, Baptocostal, Methodist, it doesn't matter because I know that we have a lot of people who listen to us around the world. And so no matter what persuasion, no matter what flavor Christian you are, can we at least, can we at least agree on that? That it's not about us modifying our behavior. It's not about us worrying about the don't do's. And, you know, and as Pastor Tony always says, don't worry about the don't do's, just do the do do's and everything's going to be all right. But it's not simply that. It's because if I were able to do the do-do's, I would not need for His Spirit to come inside of me so that I could even understand what the Scripture says. Hallelujah. I almost let it all go right there. So last week, we, one of the scriptures we were in was also James chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. But you also, be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brothers and sisters, I love, and even Peter says, you know, it's, it's coming. We're right here. We're standing right there. We're right. The Lord could come at any moment. So establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. Why? The, the coming of the Lord is at hand. He's standing, the judge is standing at the door. That door is ready to be cracked open. And I'm talking right now, my brothers and sisters, he's about, he can split the sky at any moment. The rapture of the church can take, can take place at any moment. And I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm going on the first load. You may, again, depending on what flavor you are, you, if you're a pre-trip, you know, mid-trip, post-trip, I'm telling you, I am not staying. I'm going. I'm going on the first load. In fact, I hope that I go so fast, these shoes stick to the floor. And by the way, if they do, they're a size 9. Anybody who wants them, you can have them. First, first come, first serve. Hallelujah, because I won't need them anymore. I'm about to get happy right now. Hallelujah. Establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. Stand. Know what you believe. Know where you are. Just establish it. Stand in it. Be disciplined in it. Come on now. Come on. But look at what he says, if you would. Yes, thank you. It's still there. Behold, a judge is standing at the door. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See, this, this... this mind, now this is a different word in the Greek, but my brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it means something similar because listen, double-minded and then that mind that we talked about that he has given us a, 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 a sound mind, a, a, something that's singleness, discipline, moderate. Are, are you with me? Amen. What moderates it? What discipline? Of the Lord. The spiritual discipline, the thing that the Lord has taught us. Because look, there are many disciplines in and of this world right now. There are many religions, there are many philosophies, and so which one will you walk according to? Right? There are many. I'm going to I'm going to push on this because I got the opportunity and I love it. All or most of those disciplines have to account for Jesus. In fact, all of the major world religions must account for Jesus. Must. Why? Because he is the truth. He made an impact. And he accounts for none. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No other way to get to God except through me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to, um, I'm going to read a little bit. So now look, I'm going to read a couple of long passages. I hope you will pay attention and stay with me. I know that You know, that doesn't always work out, but don't go to sleep. 
I'm going to be reading from Joshua. I'm going to begin in chapter 23. Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old and, and advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old and advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all those nations because of you. For the Lord your God is He who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. From the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land. As the Lord your God promised you, therefore be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. And lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the names of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them now or or bow down to them, but you shall hold fast the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you the great and the strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he's promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. I want to. I know that that's pretty much self-explanatory, but let me give you some Tony language right now because I love I love looking at this and and seeing the picture there. Now Joshua, who was one of the only one of two who gave a positive report, it was Joshua and Caleb, and now all of that generation had to wander and 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 they had to to uh, perish before they went into the promised land, save Joshua and Caleb, and so Joshua then is the predecessor to Moses. I'm sorry, he, he, was, he was Moses' assistant. And then what he did was he took over and now he's advanced in age. He was a young man, started out as a young man, and now he's advanced in age and he knows that his days on the earth are not long. And so he calls all of Israel together and he begins to make this, this speech. He, he's, he's, he gives them this speech. But I want to tell you then in, in chapter 24, uh, Joshua gathers all of Israel again. But this time how, when he begins to speak, he says it this way. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. So Joshua in 23, you know, he's, he's under the influence of Holy Spirit. There's no question in my mind. He's their leader, but he's speaking to them as their leader. Remember this, remember this, and remember God is, is, has always protected you. God has given you all this, but now he's saying, thus saith the Lord. Now God is speaking through him directly to the children of Israel. I'm not going to read that chapter Uh, for you and to you, but God recites and reminds them of all of the things that he did for them, uh, beginning from Egypt, when he uh, delivered them out of Egypt. And he he goes through that. uh, But I want to read to you now just a couple of verses. This is going to be 24, 14, and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
this is so familiar to so many of us, and especially those of us who have been in, in, in the Lord for a long time. And then, you know, I'm, I'm also uh, reminded of what Elijah said. How, how long will you halt between two opinions? You know, if God is God, serve Him. If Baal is God, serve Him. If God is God, serve Him. Do, do you see, my brothers and sisters, establish your hearts. Make a decision. And when you've made that decision, man, go with it. We have too many of us, and please hear my heart, there's too many of us that are, are living a little wishy-washy. And because we're wishy-washy, man, we're, a, we're just, a, you know, just a, a tackling dummy for the devil. And my brothers and sisters, we're not able to fulfill that ministry, that mission that God has given to us. All of us are called to a ministry of reconciliation. We are being reconciled back to the Father. And as, the, as we are being sanctified and we're in this process, we're growing from... Remember now, I'm going way back to some past messages. Glory to glory. Hey, my sister knew it. Hallelujah. Glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. Amen. So we're moving from glory to glory. And as we're moving from glory to glory as we're going from this level with the Lord to the next level as He's increasing our faith as He's increasing the fruit as the fruit is being more evident in our lives people are seeing it so we're being reconciled we're coming closer and closer and closer to the image of Christ and as we get closer and closer and closer all of those around us see Christ hallelujah and so that's why all of us are charged with this ministry of reconciliation you may be the only, you may be the closest thing to Jesus that some people around you will see. Whew. Think about that. But my brothers and sisters, that's why He's given us His Word and His Spirit so that we can understand this, that when He says something to us like, establish your hearts, man, know what you believe and stand on it. Hallelujah. Don't be shaken. Be sure about it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So now let's... I want to go to the, uh, to the New Testament. I'm going to be in Acts right now, chapter 17. Acts 17. I'll begin in verse 1. Now when they had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom... He went into them, and there three days, three Sabbath days, reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, "Thus Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ." Now, my brothers and sisters, he was run out of town for this. He was run, he was always being scorned and always ripped and always my brother for preaching the truth preaching the truth to those who were supposed to have already had the truth revealed to them through the the the, the word and the prophets through the law and the prophets amen so now I'm I'm going to jump now while Paul waited for them because he had to depart when Paul waited for them in Athens his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him oh good and some said what does this babbler want to say Others said, he seems to be proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they uh, took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, 
may we know that this new doctrine of yours, which you speak, you know, teach us this new doctrine. Tell us, preach. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Stay with me. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Aeropagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. My brothers and sisters, I'm here to say this morning, the Lord has laid on my heart, there are too many Christians who are worshiping the unknown God. We're worshiping the unknown God. Who do you worship? Who is your God? Who is your God? Well, Jesus. Well, what else would you say in a Christian church? But no, really. Who is your God? Who are you obeying? What are you walking according to? Okay. Now, now, brothers and sisters, hear my heart here. You know, this is not meant as an indictment on everybody. This is not meant to be a, a message which brings condemnation to any. Conviction where it's needed. But certainly, in this current um, culture that we're living in, man, we need to know who it is that we serve. We need to know who it is that we serve and we need to, if we serve Him, then that means we're obedient, that we're walking in a discipline, that we're walking, and and my brothers and sisters, it's so awesome that our God loves us so much that He took a body and showed us how to do it. And then because He became the perfect sacrifice, He shed His blood that we might, listen, be reconciled back to the Father, be back in relationship with Him, and that we might receive His Spirit that we would be able to not need Tony to interpret Scriptures for you, not need Tony to tell you what this means. Holy Spirit inside of you will tell you what this means. Holy Spirit then tells you what it means. He tells you what to obey and then helps you to obey it. Hallelujah to God forevermore. My brothers and sisters, who is it that is your God? See, because my brothers and sisters, we live in this time where technology and knowledge and blah, blah, blah and all of that stuff. I'm going to remind you, and even though it was written in the first century, it's still true today. The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. Period. Period. Oh, what else would a preacher say? The preacher, if he's worth anything, is going to say the truth. But we still have people all over and people in the church study more, 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 more. Yes, you should study to show yourself approval. We're not, yes, should we study the Word of God? Absolutely. But let me ask you something. Is that so you can uh, believe that He is God? Are you, are, you, are you studying so that you don't have any more doubt that He is God? Because if you're going into it doubting that He is God, you're going to need more help than just your intellect. You're, you're going to need a little more help than that. Ephesians 4.17 says this, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Heart. 
in my heart, I need to... Listen, I already have this... Now, Jesus has knocked on the door of my heart, just like He's knocked on the door of many of your hearts in here. So you have you let Him in, and then you let Him in, you begin to have this fellowship with Him, and then you need to make that decision. This is, this is what I'm going to walk in. So when you're making that decision to walk in that, look at what the, the Holy Spirit is telling us through the Apostle. No longer walking like I used to walk. No longer walking like the Gentiles. No longer walking like the non-believers. Why? Because I've settled something in my heart. At the abundance of the heart, the man speaketh and liveth. I'm not adding to the word. Study it. Out of the abundance, what's in my heart is going to come out. It's going to be lived out. It's going to be said first, and then my actions are going to follow my words. Come on now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters... Oh, this is. I, I want to. I, I, my my heart is is broken and and all excited and happy at the same time. There's this ripping going inside of me because my brothers and sisters, you you know. Well, last night, texts and phone calls. Uh, this morning, phone calls. People are hurting. I, I tell you, a couple of Mondays ago when I tried to get away in the afternoon, you know, my phone is ringing. I happen to be, and, and, and I'm, you know, no one was in the car except me and one of my granddaughters, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading a text, and, you know, I got a phone call, and, you know, and I'm, my heart is breaking because it's, you know, bad news. People reaching out for help. They need help. Uh, you know, something's happening. They're hurting because of, you know, a lot of reasons, but you get the picture. You know what I'm talking about. So I'm getting these texts and I'm getting these messages and my heart is broken. I don't want to really cry and be a downer for my granddaughter, but Pop, yeah, listen, honey. I mean, there are so many people that are hurting right now. Yeah, but Tony, it's been like that through all of history. I didn't live through all of history. I live here and now. So whatever happened back then as it relates to communities, it doesn't matter. What happens is right now, what matters is right now. Where God has put me, where He has placed me right now, same for you. Where He has placed you right now. And there are so many people that are hurting. So, so I had to, I, I, man, there are so many people that are hurting. And honey, that's what we're called for. That, we're called for that. We're called to help the hurting. Not to look down our noses. Not to shun them. Not to, to say that they're getting what they deserve or, or whatever. No. We're, we're to help them. But there's so many that are hurting. You know, I, on the, you know, I, it's, no, it break, really breaks my heart. There are young people that I've had contact with over the last few weeks. And, um, and when you get to talk to them, I try to minister and witness as much as I can. Um, but... Some of them are not ready to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They've been hurt. They've been scarred. They've been, there have been some circumstances in their lives and they, they're just not interested, but they'll still be polite and listen. So I'm praying that the Lord would do something. Holy Spirit would just do something. I'm, I'm planting some seeds. Someone else will bring the water and God will bring the harvest. Amen? So that's, sometimes that's all we can do, folks. And so that's what we do. And so my brothers and sisters, what shocks me is young people who are not uh, in the Lord, but say they don't care whether they live or die. They basically, in their lives, don't, and there's not that there's anything particularly wrong in their life at the moment. It's just that there's no hope. There's, no, there's nothing. Video games, you know, social media. And it shocked me. 
it's, sh- it's shocking to me. But then I, I understand that the, you know, the, the statistics and the, the, the suicide among teens is, is just rapidly increasing. Our young people are, are, you know what? They're not the only ones. You hear of it, and the press makes something of it, but they're not the only ones. There's no hope, because people have no hope. And so some of us who have, you know, we're striving and, and we've worked our whole lives, we've, we've gone to school, we've done everything we think right because we want to get to that next level and, and then when we get there, you know, there's more problems or different problems and if I could just get there, then everything's going to be okay. If I could just get there, then, then everything's going to be okay. If I could just have this or if I could just achieve that, then I know everything's going to be okay. No, no. That's just socioeconomics. That's just geography. But isn't it so sad? I mean, I talked to a young, a, a, a young person who's, um, he's, at, he's at another church and he's doing some things, he's helping out in his church and he was talking to me about witnessing and, you know, and how he's, man, it's so tough because I have these people who will say to me, as he's actually trying to witness, a young man witnessed to his own group. He's a pastor. They say to me, when I say this stuff, they say, do you actually believe that? How can you believe that? And he's taken back because he don't know what this would be. You know what? Here's what you could say. How do you not believe that? I, I, I don't, I'm not on the defensive. Not at all. Someone wants to talk to me like I'm uneducated, because I believe in Jesus, and they want to say, well, that's your sheer crutch. Okay, what's yours? Because that may be mine, but you have one. You have one. We don't, we, you, know, you may not be open to what it is, and you, and you may not even be smart enough to figure out that you have one, but you do. <laughs> you want to talk about how stupid I am, how uneducated I am, how unintellectual I am. Hey, listen, all I need to know is, hallelujah, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. So this is what he says. You know, if any of you lack wisdom, pray in James, right? Pray. God is going to give it to you liberally and he's not going to chastise you. He's not going to make fun of you for asking for it. He's not going to, listen, he's not going to hold it back. However, if you are double-minded, don't expect to get it. Because if you're unstable... You can't, there's nothing that, it's not, wisdom's not going to mean anything anyway. So if you're, if you're trying to go ahead and have one foot in the world or you're not really sure so you hedge your bets just a little bit, that's not faith. Why am I here? So I told that young man, listen, don't, don't, don't be on the defensive. You know what you believe, right? Oh yeah. Well then, don't be on the defensive. Right now, it's harder, it would be impossible for me not to believe. Tony, why do you believe? Well, I've read it. Um, I've had good preaching and teaching. Um, well, if I got, why do I believe? Right? If, if someone asked you, you know, why do you believe what you believe? I asked that question to the church a long time ago and there was one person sitting in the back of that room that answered so crisply and succinctly. Why do you, well, the Bible says... No, we have a, okay, well, what happens? Maybe the man wrote the Bible. I mean, you know, people who don't believe. If a non-believer is asking you, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you be-? Well, because you know, my, I was taught this preacher, that thing. No, for someone who, who, who wants to approach totally on, 
an intellectual level, you can't just, well, they're going to have an excuse. Even though we can verify without any shadow of any doubt, there is more first-hand evidence of this than any other thing. Why do you believe? I had somebody say, because he did something in me. He changed me. It wasn't behavior modification. He changed my heart. He changed my mind. He changed me. I didn't need proof. I didn't need to see a sign, wonder, or miracle. I heard the word. I received the word. And he changed me. He changed my heart. He changed my mind. I started to understand things that I couldn't understand before. Oh, hallelujah. He changed me. So, I, I, so I, t- I tell the young man some of these facts. You know, listen, like I said to you earlier, every major world religion has to account for him. Oh, by the way, what year are we living in? 2019. So we just started marking time 2019 years ago? No. What happened 2019 years ago? Jesus. That's what happened. Jesus. Oh, big deal. Big deal? Okay. Brothers and sisters, I know you know this. I'm just saying it. Maybe somebody... Man, you need to have confidence. Take heart. Don't let the world put you on defensive. Don't let your family put you on defensive. See, the holidays are coming up and you're going to have to sit with some people who don't believe the same way you believe. Oh, I got a handful of amens there. And let, me, let me go a step further. There are going to be some family you ain't even invited. Amen. Amen. But, but, but I'm, I don't have to be on the defensive. I don't, listen, I don't have to, listen, well, you know, well, G, you know, yeah, he was, Jesus, even people who did not believe in him had to account for him. Amen. I'm not talking now just about the, the, the Roman historians have to account for him. The Roman historians account for him. Josephus had to account for him. He didn't believe in Jesus, he's a Jewish historian. He had to account for him. Man, my brothers and sisters, this is not. This is a historical fact that this man lived. This is a historical fact that this man was executed. It is also a historical fact that they never found his body. And don't you know that all they had to do was find his body one time and all of this would have been dismissed. They didn't. Well, they, well it was because of his disciples, you see. They hid the body. You, you know, because I know that's what I would do. If I were following a guy around, I gave up everything, and I were following a guy around for three and a half years, and he preached all this stuff. He did all these signs, wonders, and miracles, by the way, and he preached this thing, and he ticked off everybody who was a religious leader. He ticked them off, and, and then he told me that, you know, he was going to rise from the dead, and he told me everything that was going to happen, and he told me where, and, and it happened just that way. But when they put him in the grave, I was worried that he wasn't going to rise like he said. So we went in there and we robbed the body and we hid it. But, oh, but by the way, in the meantime, when they were cru- crucifying him, when they were actually, when they arrested him after that, we, we, didn't, we, we had to hide out because we knew that we were next. See, they were so afraid that even one... Listen, Peter had no social skills whatsoever. He didn't worry about stepping on anybody's toes. You know that. So when that girl, you were, hey, you were one of them, not me. The third time he cursed and then he heard the crow, the, the rooster crow. Remember that? Oh yeah, but see, 
He was that afraid that he would deny the guy that he just walked around with three and a half years, the guy that he gave up his business for, the guy that he walked away from his family for for a while. That guy, he followed him, and then he was dead, and then they went ahead and they robbed the grave and hid him off someplace. Everybody knows that that makes total sense. Yes, you would go ahead and the very one that you didn't even want to be arrested for, you would go ahead and put your life on the line for. No. What happened? What made those men suddenly unafraid? They saw him after he rose from the dead. They did not see a spirit of him. They did not see a figment, a a spiritual... They saw that body that went in, came out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And not only them... The Apostle Paul speaks to it. The Apostle Paul had an encounter with him. The same Apostle Paul that made it his mission to kill the church. All of a sudden, he is building the church, becomes the second greatest evangelist who ever walked the face of the earth. All of a sudden, turns everything upside down that he was doing and now becomes a martyr for the church. Not only did he become get his head chopped off for the church, but before he got his head chopped off, the Jews hated him and wanted him dead. The Romans wanted him dead. Everybody wanted that man dead. Stone left for dead. Shipwreck. Whoop. He, he recounts it. But in all of these things, he says, I want to know him more. Not just in the power of his resurrection, but in the fellowship of his suffering. Why? So that I can attain, so that I can understand this eternal life. I can understand this life of Christ. Hallelujah. But no, he didn't rise from the dead. Are you kidding me? Even the Apostle Paul says, there are, I love the way he says it too. In Corinthians he says, man, there are those people that saw him that, that alive after he was dead. They're still living among you. Go check it out. Anybody, John, does it say that in a word? He says, there are, there are those who still that live among us that saw him after he died. Go ask him. He's daring them. Go ask him. They'll tell you. He was seen by 500 people at one time. Oh, they all, it was that big thing, you know, there was this big hallucination that took, they didn't have any computers. There was none of that stuff that they could just go ahead and put up. What do you call that when you... Hologram. They, they couldn't do no hologram. Thank you, somebody. There were no hologram. They didn't have any of that. It was this big, oh, this, this mass thing where everybody saw this vision simultaneously. Come on, man. Come on. So, so you believe that. I can't believe some of the things that people believe, but they won't believe what Jesus says. I, I Presumably, I'm speaking to a, 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 a room full of born-again believers. So why do we need this? Well, there may be somebody listening who's not convinced, but I want to tell you something. There are people in here who are not convinced. Establish your hearts. Know what it is that you believe and go with it. Stop being wishy-washy. 1 Corinthians 1, 22-24 through 24. For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Which category do you fall in? Are, are you looking for a sign? Or you just need to know? Do you need to be able to put it together intellectually? It needs to make sense, Tony, intellectually. Because I'm telling you, you're never going to be able to do that again because your, your wisdom and your knowledge and your understanding. I want to tell you this. If I'm able to know what God knows, He's not God. 
if I'm able to know what God knows, He's not God. I love her. I wish I had a church full of her. (laughs) I'm just teasing. No, think about that for a minute. If I can know what God knows, then my God is too small. How can I know the one that created the very brain that I think with? The one that gave me the intellect that I have? How, how, can I, how can I know him? How can I know more than him or as much as him? I can't. But he's teaching me. He's raising me up. He's, being, he's giving me knowledge. He tells me to pray for wisdom. You need wisdom, Tony. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Come on now. What, what, how can I even... You know, so, so, so no, 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 let me go back. Who's your God? Who are you serving? Who's your God? Well, of course, it's Jesus. Okay, well, then that means that you're walking in the footsteps that he's ordered. That means that, see, because no, Jesus, if Jesus taught me anything, here's what he taught me. Worshiping God is first and foremost above anything. Obedience to the Father is everything. No matter how busy he was and no matter how many people he needed to help, he got away and prayed and had fellowship with the Father. Didn't he? Yes, he did. He said, the things that I do, it's what the Father told me. The things that I say, it's what the Father told me. He laid it out, per- he laid it out perfectly for me. I don't have to be highly intelligent. I gave, you, I gave you the chance. I don't have to be highly intelligent. Because it's not based on my intellect. And I could be the smartest person that ever walked the face of the earth. I could have you know, the highest IQ and I could have achieved all of these things, all of these wonderful and marvelous things and just impress people with my knowledge about this, that and the other thing or physics or whatever it is. You know, I mean, it, it could be all wonderful and I could have this, you know, some kind of uh, a mind that recalls everything besides silly, stupid songs or something. But my brothers and sisters, bottom line, what does that mean? What does it mean? There's... We have so many people that are in our atmosphere. And I know I'm repeating. There are so many people that you know that God has put in your atmosphere that are hurting. They're in need. That's not to say that you may not. You may be suffering some hurt. You, you may be, there may be some pain, some stuff from the past that, you know, it just, whenever you feel like you're moving to that next level with God, this inevitably something comes up. And it's usually that thing from the past that the enemy of my soul wants to remind me of. Either something that I did or something that somebody said or, or a hurtful thing or an experience that I had. And it just, it just, just grabs me right in my truck. No. For those of you who were with me, a few weeks ago, well, I don't know how long it was now, everything's running together. And we ended up, was that the night that the prayer meeting turned into communion? Who was with me? Yeah, thank you. I, I, I'm, I just got to go back there, so forgive me. The Lord will bless you as well. I'm going to read out of Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. 
he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man in his form, more than the sons of man. That means he was, he was, per, he was beaten so bad, unrecognizable. This is speaking of Jesus, a messianic prophecy. He was beaten so bad. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. Moving on to 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, has, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. He is despised and rejected. Has anybody in this room, don't raise your hand, just consider this. Because I know, I already know the answer. There are people in this room who have felt that they were despised or they were rejected by either their peers or a significant other. And you know it. You, you, maybe you even felt that way about your my own. My own parents didn't care about me. Jesus suffered that. Jesus suffered that. Despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was, listen, he had grief. He had sorrows. He, he was, he, listen, he didn't walk around without joy. He was filled with spirit. But he understood what it was like to be rejected and to experience, you know, people. That, remember, he had his people, he had his own disciples follow him. He preaches a message and they all walk away from him. Then he turns to his closest ones and Are you going to leave me too? So does he know what it's like to be rejected? Does he know sorrow because he knows when they walk away from him, they probably ain't coming back? Do you know this also? Remember how many thousands of people that Jesus preached to? How many thousands and thousands of people that he fed? On the day of Pentecost, there were only 120 in the upper room. Think about that for a minute. All of those thousands of people that saw the signs, wonders, and miracles... All of those thousands of people, we know for a fact that there was at least 500 that saw his, him alive after he was dead. They saw his resurrected body. They saw, he preached and he talked to them. How do we know that? It says it in the Bible. Paul says it. There were 500 that saw him at one time. It wasn't only 500 that saw him after he was uh, raised from the dead. But at one time, there was at least 500 that saw him. But there was only 120 in the room waiting. He was despised and, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. Or p- he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. My brothers and sisters, who are you following? Because Jesus has already paid the price for everything that you could possibly experience in this lifetime. And I know sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like that. And I know, listen, I want to tell you something. Just because somebody like me says this or says that, 
and, and you know, it's not working in your life. Because it's, it's, you know, but my brothers and sisters, here, here's the thing. It's not just what I say. No, it's what's coming out of that Bible. And, and it's the spirit inside of you bearing witness with your spirit so that now it's down on the inside of you. And even when it, when it gets down on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of, and it starts mixing with faith. And so, yeah, so now your heart, you, you, uh, this is it. It doesn't matter. I don't care if Tony said it or he didn't say it. This is what God has convinced me of in my heart. And so I'm going to stand on this. They're still talking bad about me. They're still cutting their eyes at me. They're still, despi- they're still despising me. I'm still rejected. I still have this pain in my back. I still have this pain in my neck. And sometimes, no, hallelujah. But it does not matter why. My heart is steadfast. He was, listen, he was bruised and suffered and and tortured for me. For me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in this moment, I want to, that's why, in in that night when I I shared that with with the prayer group, you know, it was in this context when the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth and he's correcting their bad habits as it relates to the Lord's Supper. And he says to them, whenever you do this, you proclaim his death till he comes. You proclaim his death till he comes. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, uh, hallelujah. The resurrection sealed the deal. The resurrection sealed it. I walk in the newness of life because he came up out of that grave alive. But he had to suffer greatly in order for that resurrection to seal the deal. He suffered for me. For my iniquities. He suffered for me. Listen. He suffered, listen, for my doubts. For my hesitations. For my lack of belief. He suffered for me. He was wounded for me. You know what? Pilate didn't want to kill him. Pilate did not want to crucify him. So he had him beaten so bad thinking that that would satisfy the Jews and then he wouldn't have to crucify him. Because normally somebody wouldn't be beaten that bad before they're crucified. He was beaten so badly, he was, again, that's why the, the prophet was, spoke prophetically about how he was going to be marred, how his visage would be marred, how you wouldn't even, he would be unrecognizable, how, how, how much he would suffer, how much he would be beaten. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. Yes, it was. See, according to Pilate, it wouldn't have happened that way. He was just hoping that that would have satisfied the Jews. They would have got off his back. Okay, you took care of him, done. But then he had to go ahead and suffer because we know. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. He was cursed. He was cursed on that tree because all of my sins, everything that I would do, all my doubts, all my hesitations, all of the stuff, all of the garbage in my life hung on that tree. And that's what God cursed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, which God are you following? Are you, are you following the God that says, if you're really God, and if it's really true, everything goes as planned? Okay, fair enough. Whose plan? Now, if you're God in your life, it's your plan. But if He's God in your life, it's His plan. And I could say with 100% confidence... It may not always look like it, but it's going as planned. 
Hallelujah. And I'll be honest with you as well. From my heart, totally transparent. Sometimes, my brothers and sisters, it's the only thing that keeps me going. It's the only thing that keeps me going is because I know He's God, I'm not. I just trust in Him. He's driving, hey, He's rowing the boat. He's shooting the ducks. I ain't doing nothing, but I'm along for the ride. Hallelujah. Now, you know what I mean. I'm not trying to be flippant in this moment. But, man, can, can you receive it? Which God are you following? Stand with me, please.